A new government memo reveals that national security officials were warning the federal liberal government back in 2017 of Chinese communist attempts to infiltrate the government, seemingly clashing with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's assertion that he was not briefed on election interference attempts. A new survey by the Bank of Montreal found that more than half of Canadians are not confident they will have enough money to retire. The former head of the Federal Public Service says that the government's use of McKinsey and Company and other contractors suggests that the public service itself is weakened. Ottawa Mayor Mark Sutcliffe promoted an all-ages drag queen storytime for kids, which features a performance by an X-rated entertainer. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, February 9th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Cosman Georgia. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. A new media report reveals that national security officials drafted a warning in 2017 for Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's office, stating that agents of the Chinese Communist Party were, quote, assisting Canadian candidates running for political offices. Now, this comes after Trudeau recently denied being fully briefed about a national security report that the Beijing government had funded at least 11 candidates for the Canadian federal election in 2019. The latest news comes from Privy Council office documents obtained by Sam Cooper, an investigative reporter at Global News. And Cooper writes that the four-page June 2017 memo asserted that senior intelligence officials had well-documented evidence of China's efforts to infiltrate, quote, all levels of government, and goes on to allege that, quote, there is a substantial body of evidence that Chinese officials are actively pursuing a strategy of engagement to influence Canadian officials in ways that can compromise the security of Canada and the integrity of Canadian institutions. So, Cosman, the paper trail now goes even further back to suggest that Justin Trudeau's office, the individuals around him, perhaps the Prime Minister himself, were warned about all of this. And he has been maintaining, well, no, I, I wasn't fully aware of it. I guess maybe suggesting, oh, it was just a memo that didn't get back to me, or it was my staff, it wasn't passed on to me. But it increasingly suggests that the Liberals were warned. And did they heed the warnings? Well, I don't think they've heeded any warnings at all. Um, I know for a fact True North has been covering uh, the relationships between several members of the Liberal uh, Party and the Ch and Chinese officials for a very long time. I mean, even the uh, Canadian uh, Security Intelligence Service has been telling the federal government uh, for quite some time that this is an issue. So to feign surprise uh, that suddenly Trudeau is first hearing about this right now uh, seems to me disingenuous. Uh, when in fact, we've known for a while that the Chinese government has been trying to influence and manipulate the outcomes of government decisions uh, through exactly uh, this way. Now, I think one of the added frustrations, Cosman, is we have the 2019 election being that election where there were 11 candidates who were apparently supported by the Chinese Communist Party. A lot of politicians have maintained name those candidates, mostly liberal candidates, a couple conservatives in the mix. People want to know who are these individuals? Let us know. And this paper trail shows that Trudeau was warned two years before that election that this sort of thing 
might come to pass. I think frustrations about all of this are, are going to increase both for the general public and, and people who follow national security issues. Yes, absolutely. And there are concrete steps that the Trudeau government could take, but that they've failed to take so far. One of them being is having a hard foreign registry uh, to have agents uh, known to the government enlisted in this registry so that we know who exactly is operating and who is here acting on behalf of other countries so that we can keep an eye on them. Uh, to my knowledge, that hasn't happened yet. But, uh, you know, over the years, the government has been pushed to act on this, but there's just been uh, nothing. A new survey sheds light on how Canada's gloomy economic forecast is affecting Canadians' retirement plans. The BMO annual retirement study released on Tuesday found Canadians believe they need to save an additional $300,000 to retire, raising the total average retirement fund from $1.4 million in 2020 to $1.7 million near the end of 2022. Less than half, 44%, are confident they will have enough money as planned. For many, that fear was tied to rising costs and inflation. 7 in 10 said they are concerned about how the changes will impact their finances. The BMO study comes as Canadians continue to struggle with the inflation crisis and a rising cost of living. In an Anos research survey from November, 60% of people said they adjusted grocery habits by purchasing cheaper food, and 17% said they responded to inflation by eating less. So Anthony, you know, we've all seen it at the grocery stores. Some of the cheaper items are gone. You know, some of the shelves uh, seem to be bare. Um, but this BMO survey reveals something troubling, right? Many Canadians believe you have to be a millionaire in order to retire comfortably in Canada. Should this concern the Trudeau government that has played up its... its uh, you know, action towards making living in Canada more affordable. Well, I'd imagine a lot of the people who are captured in this poll are not low income people, but this is sort of middle class, upper middle class baby boomers, retired professionals who would like to do the thing where they go on the, the boat cruises in Europe. They want to be able to pay for the golf courses that are a little nicer than the cheaper ones. And that is actually, to some degree, a part of the liberal voter base, uh, people in swing ridings people who they've previously been able to count on. And these are individuals who are getting frustrated, I guess, feeling like what they've worked towards is eroding. And obviously, if you've got upper middle class people feeling anxious about their savings, oh boy, this does not spell well for people who are just getting by, uh, people who are in lower income brackets, suggesting life is going to be even disproportionately more tougher for them. So, I, I mean, there's a trickle down worry about what this means for, for everybody but the very wealthy. Former Privy Council Clerk Michael Wernick says politicians and media are not focused on the right issues when it comes to the McKinsey and Company contract scandal. In an op-ed pen for the magazine Policy Options, Wernick said the government's rising use of outside contractors should pose questions about a deteriorating public service rather than allegations about corruption. He writes, the more interesting angles are about whether the use of outside contractors is a sign of weakening capacity by the public service. Wernick said government contracting is normal in many ways, but the current growth might be a sign that Canada's government is becoming too dependent on outside contractors. Wernick writes, there is nothing new about governments at every level acquiring services from outside suppliers. For me, 
The issue is not whether to use outside suppliers, but how to use them to best effect. Cosman, I'm not sure if everyone would agree with him that uh, questions of corruption are not an aspect here. I think people want to ask all of this at different committee hearings, but it is an interesting point of just why are you even hiring all these contractors? You have so many public servants who are paid a lot of money. Are they not able to fulfill these roles? Do we have a crisis in terms of the government being able to deliver? You know, I would disagree with the assessment here because I think it's a case of, you know, a former public servant uh, seeing the problem uh, as being directly related to his field of work. In reality, we've seen the public sector grow. Uh, for example, we reported in September that 86% of the jobs uh, created during the pandemic were in the public sector alone. Now, obviously, this uh, expands along the federal and, and provincial governments, but the, uh, the federal government saw jobs balloon while the private sector shrank, especially during the pandemic. You know, they've lavished uh, managers with hundreds of millions of dollars in bonuses. So to say that the uh, public sector is not uh, meeting these challenges and relying on outside help, I think is a little bit disingenuous because the public sector is huge in Canada uh, and it, it takes up such a large role in our economy. Well, I see there's a bit of a synthesis, though, uh, between those two views, because, yeah, they have ballooned, they have increased, they take up a sizable role. So why do some people in government even think that they need to approve a McKinsey contract for this stuff anyway? Why can't we have all the services fulfilled by McKinsey fulfilled by those individuals? And I see that there's a lot of that in Michael Wernick's comments, although it is interesting coming from him, someone who was basically in charge of the public service. One thinks to what degree did he play uh, setting the atmosphere where this sort of thing is possible. Ottawa Mayor Mark Sutcliffe promoted an all-ages drag queen story time for kids, which features a performance by an X-rated entertainer. As reported by True North, several drag queen story times are being advertised to children during the capital's ongoing Winter Pride Festival, including one at the National Arts Centre. In a tweet, Sutcliffe said the event celebrates Ottawa's status as a welcoming and inclusive city. In response to Sutcliffe's tweet, several people took issue with the mayor's public stance on the issue, saying things like, children do not belong at drag shows, and what kind of parent takes their kids to a drag story time? Bizarre. So, Anthony, this has been a hot topic in the United States and, and, and in Canada. We've seen protests emerging at the, these events. What what do you think of uh, the mayor taking such a public stance? I mean, it's not Pride Month right now. You know, this is a, a, a festival out of season. Uh, so sh let me know your thoughts about this. The whole thing is just very bizarre. And I think the fact that you have uh, evangelical Christians in the United States protesting these events is assigned to some Canadian liberals, people who want a virtue signal that they go, okay, we, we have to show we're doubly, triply in support of all of this. But what is with the overemphasis on this? This whole discussion, these, these events is just taking up a disproportionate amount of space. You do this thing once or twice, a drag story time for kids at a library, you're like, okay, I, I don't really get why that has to be front and center. There's just so many other things that could be done in a library that aren't. Uh, why this? And there seems to be an overkill in it all here, both in terms of 
uh, just facilities thinking they need to create more and more of these. And to the point in your report, an X-rated entertainer, I, I appreciate, or at least it's assumed that there will not be an X-rated component at the children's event, but it's still like, what's with taking someone who does something in their evening performance and look, each to their own, I don't care, go ahead and do that. And then saying it, that person must be ported over to the children's space and we all have to sort of be allies in support of it. It's, it's just bizarre, this whole uh, emergence of this issue. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.